Nation, my dudes and dudettes. Hilo here, bringing you another Exploring Extremes podcast where we take a look at the week ahead from a betting perspective with a little bit of DFS stuff thrown in. Trying to explore the extremes, pick out some expected value where we can, and kind of get an idea of what the overall week looks like from a betting perspective. So for this week, normally, sorry, before I continue, normally I am joined by my dude Pavel. He is moving his wife down from Chicago to lovely Florida currently. Uh, so he is on a plane. I tried to typically record these podcasts on Tuesday evening. Um, he was up late last night getting things ready, prepared to move his wife. And he does not land uh, until later, that being Wednesday um, afternoon. So going to proceed without him, tried to give him some time to see if he could squeeze us into that busy schedule. But, uh, unfortunately he cannot join us this week. So another solo style podcast here. Uh, but that said, let's jump in first and take a look at the overall like state of this week from a betting perspective. And then that'll lead us into a little bit of a little bit of teaching before we kind of explore a few of these games. So a little bit, a little bit different um, format for this week, but we're going to try and uh, with it being a solo pod, do a little bit of teaching as well on top of our exploration of the extremes. With that said, this week, man, very, very low scoring week. We have two games with a game total of 50 or more. The first one is Tampa Bay and Falcons, and that also comes with a massive spread of 10.5 points from a road favorite Buccaneers team. We'll talk about that here shortly. The other game with a game total of 50 or more points is the Los Angeles Chargers visiting the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Same game total of 50.5 points, but a nice low spread of three points, and we'll talk to why that is important to us from a betting perspective here shortly. We talk about the magic range, so sick lead in there, but we talk about the magic range um, of both betting and DFS, which for game totals is between 47 and 49 and a half points. Why is that the magic range? Well, from a DFS perspective, that range is typically game totals that carry a wide range of potential outcomes. Historically, if we look at the numbers, and again, why does, I guess before we continue that exploration, why does Vegas set game lines? Like, what is their goal? Their goal is to get as close to 50% of the action on each side. They take the rake and they move on with a guaranteed profit. With that understanding, when we're talking about game totals, high, low, high, low, what up? No, high or low game totals. It really doesn't matter like what the number is because we know that 
Vegas is simply trying to get 50% of the action on both sides. Now, we as bettors, what are we trying to do? We're trying to look for the smallest edges that we can get that we call expected value to shift the 50% more towards our favor over time. So we take whatever edges we can get, and over time, that will mean that we maintain a profitable stance over the long haul. What is so magical about this spread of 47 points to 49 and a half points? Historically, this is typically Vegas's most accurate range for getting exactly 50% of the money coming in on the over and 50% coming in on the under. Well, from a DFS perspective, what does that mean to us? Well, that means typically, historically, this is the range of games that have the widest range of outcomes. So why is that important to us from a DFS perspective? Well, it helps us identify games that could be under-owned that have just as good a chance at blowing up as some of the higher game total games. With that understanding, we have only two games. Actually, sorry, we have three games uh, total this week that have game totals in that range, and only two of them are on the main slate. So one of those games being the Sunday night football game, Denver Broncos visiting Kansas City Chiefs with a game total of 47 and a half. That game also comes with a very wide spread of nine and a half points for the home favorite Kansas City Chiefs. So from a DFS perspective, there's only two games that carry game totals of 50 points or more. And there's only two games that kind of land in this magic range of 47 to 49 and a half points. The first one being Washington football team visiting the Las Vegas Raiders. We've talked kind of ad nauseum around the site about the the home uh, field for the Raiders being a dome, being a fast-paced field, being an environment that kind of harbors these good game environments. So that game total is currently 49.5 points with a low spread of two and a half points for the home favorite Raiders. The other game with a game total kind of in this magic range is the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Los Angeles Rams. There's a lot going on in this game we'll talk to here shortly, but that game total checks in at 48 points with the Rams instilled as heavy favorites, 13 point favorites at home. So All of that kind of understanding. It's a very, very tricky and interesting DFS slate because we don't have these clear and away like top spots on the slate. There's only two games with a game total of 50 points or more. One of them coming with a massive spread. And there's only two games with game total in this magic range of 47 to 49 and a half points. And one of those coming with a massive spread. So from a DFS perspective, what does that mean for the slate ahead? Well, we're likely to see pretty heavy ownership on the game total with the highest uh, game total or the game with the highest game total that also has a low spread. So that is Los Angeles Chargers and Cincinnati Bengals. So right off the bat from exploring kind of the state of affairs for the slate overall, we kind of can already assume that this game, the Chargers and the Bengals, is going to carry pretty significant ownership this week. 
Okay, lock that away for our discussion for DFS. The other game that we that I expect to carry pretty significant ownership is the other game in this magic range uh, of the Washington football team and the Las Vegas Raiders. Because again, this is a game with four, a game total of 49 and a half points and a low spread of the home favorite Raiders instilled as two and a half point favorites. When we talk about like home field advantage. If this game were played at a neutral site, if this game were played in um, if this were like the Super Bowl game or if this game were played across the pond in London, like this would likely be a pick 'em game because we can typically assign two and a half to three points to the home team for home field advantage. So again, both these two games I expect to be relatively highly owned uh, for a DFS perspective. And these are the two that I kind of want to talk through primarily on this episode as games that we should explore from a betting perspective as well. All right. Sorry, I have to keep taking these breaks to catch my breath. Doing a solo podcast is much different than doing a a podcast with a co-host where you have time to take breathers, where you have time to collect your thoughts. Uh, So this is uh, that is why you keep hearing these kind of breather breaks all right so that kind of said we have a difficult slate to bet we have a difficult slate for dfs because we have not a lot of glaring uh opportunities for expected value for dfs perspective we don't have a lot of opportunities for picking out these game environments where they are likelier than not to provide us some leverage on the field for game environments that have the possibility to blow up at lower than should be ownership. We also, real quickly, we're exploring the extremes here. So we do have a bunch of low game total games. First one being the Giants at the Miami Dolphins. Uh, That game total has come all the way down to 40 and a half points. We know Daniel Jones is going to be out for the Giants. We know uh, the Giants are still dealing with significant injuries along that offense. Uh, So that game total all the way down at 40 and a half points. That is, again, tied for the lowest uh, on the season this year. Another low one, we have the Baltimore Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, game total of 43 and a half points. We know the Ravens would like to run the football. We know the Steelers are largely incapable of generating splash plays. We know that Ben Roethlisberger is largely incapable of attacking downfield. So that game environment sets up as one where there's a lower likelihood of splash plays generation. We know that the Pittsburgh Steelers are not the same steel curtain defense as they have been in the past. They rank rather lowly, uh, both against the run and against the pass. So this is a game environment where we should expect the Ravens to largely control the game and control it how they want to control it. So they want to crack down on the run uh, on defense. They want to blitz at an above average rate, and they're going to play above average man coverage. So that is going to... When we think about how that game is likely to play out, we're likely to see, you know, this is a game and uh, a game total that is set accurately at 43 and a half points for the lower than likelihood chance that we don't see a lot of splash play generation from this game. 
Again, this does not mean that this game cannot harbor good fantasy scores. That does not mean that this game cannot go over because what is Vegas trying to do? They're trying to get equal action on both sides of game total. So they collect the rake and move on. The last low game total is a Monday night football game between the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. Game total of 43 and a half points as well. A low spread of two and a half points. I'm going to mostly leave that game alone so we can talk about these two higher game uh, total games that we talked to earlier, the ones with the low spread. Uh, But realize this is another game environment where it is going to be actually this one is a little bit different than the one prior because we know that both of these teams basically have strength on strength matchups for how they want to attack games. The Patriots are basically have built their defense around minimizing splash plays around cracking down in the red zone and around um, taking away how an opposing offense is likeliest to attack. When you look at the bills, they are likeliest to want to attack through the air. When we look at the Patriots, how they are built, they are an aggressive man uh, based defense with zone concepts mixed in. So that is going to be, a strength-on-strength matchup for the Bills where they are looking to or are likely to have to adopt more of a short to intermediate passing game uh, in this game. So we'll talk, we'll leave the DFS talk about uh, how that, how we should be approaching that for later. X is going to cover that um, for the showdown write-up. Also from the other side, how the Patriots trying to win games, they're trying to marry a controlled defense with a an offense that looks to win the time of possession battle they want to sustain drives through the short uh, to intermediate passing game through timing routes built to capitalize on the strengths of mac jones they're also going to want to run the football at a heightened rate again looking to control the time of possession battle and place themselves uh on or I guess place increased stress on opposing defense over the course of the game. What are the Bills? Well, they have Starla Tulele back. They have Tremaine Edmonds back. They are a top 10 defense against the run. They are a top or the top defense against the pass. So again, this game sets up to harbor a game environment where splash plays are less likely. We're likely to see a moderate combined pace of play with New England looking to slow the game down. Uh, And we know the Bills are not the same team that we've seen in the past where they kind of keep their pace of play heightened throughout the course of the game if they're controlling it. So all this kind of comes together to give you the why behind the how of that low game total there. Let's move our attention back. We got 15 more minutes left to talk about these two high game total games with low spreads. The first one, Los Angeles Chargers at Cincinnati Bengals. And you'll notice this uh, coming back to kind of the intro where we talked about wide range of outcomes for game totals within the 47 to 49 and a half point spread uh, range. Well, this game falls just above that at 50 and a half points. I want to highlight that because this is, sets up as a game with a wide range of potential outcomes as far as scoring on the scoreboard goes. Why is that? We have the Chargers who we know are uh, going to push the pace. 
we have the Chargers, who we know have heightened pass rates. Well, we, that's what we understand as what the Chargers are going to want to do here. Well, what do the Bengals want to do? The Bengals have been highly adaptive to both opponents and in-game management for their pace of play, for their pass rates, and for how they approach winning games. This is a very well-coached team this year. Both head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator. A very, very well-coached team. Why do I say that? Well, I say that because Cincinnati Bengals have largely controlled the game environments from their games this season because they have been so adaptable uh, about how they are going to approach the game as far as game planning goes. They have been highly adaptable about how they are approaching games through in-game management. So why is that important to us? Well, we know that the Chargers are largely responsible for the game environments in the majority of their games. We know that they are largely responsible for their game, uh, the pace of the games that they have played. But we know that they have largely not been responsible for the game flows in their game. If all that doesn't make sense, pace of play obviously is the pace at which the teams are running their offense. So that is seconds between plays. So how fast are they uh, or how much of the game clock uh, or the play clock, sorry, that they are using between plays. Los Angeles Chargers use very minimal. They're typically an up-tempo offense. They've mixed in some no huddle. Uh, so they are a fast offense. The Cincinnati Bengals are on the opposite end of the spectrum. They like to slow things down. They like to control the tempo and the pace through slowing things down and controlling the time of possession battle. So what do we get when we get an up-tempo offense with a, an offense that likes to control uh, the time of possession and slow the game down? We get a wide range of outcomes with respect to how this game environment and game flow could uh, turn out. So why is that important to us? Again, this is a game total that lands right outside of the magic range where we typically see the widest range of outcomes with respect to how the games actually play. We have one side that is going to look to up the pace. We have one side that's going to look to slow the pace down. That is pace of play. We look at game flow. The Bengals have been largely responsible for controlling the game flow of their games. That has typically been done through their defense and through their slow pace of play on offense. We know that when they're controlling games, they're going to look to adopt high rush rates. We know that if their games turn into a shootout, and again, this is through a failure on their side to control teams through their defense. Should that happen, we know through their adaptability that they will or they are capable and they are willing to shoot out through the air with the best of them. So why is that important to us? Again, we know that the Bengals are going to try to slow the pace down. They're going to try to control the game on the ground and through their defense. But if they're unable to do so, they are highly willing and able to air it out with the best of them. So when you have a Chargers team who we know is going to be airing it out, we know is going to be playing with a fast pace, coming to play a Bengals team who we know is going to try and slow the game down, we know is going to try and adapt to a high rush rates. 
that again leads to a wide range of outcomes when it comes to points on the scoreboard. Now consider the matchup. So we know how the Bengals are going to look to attack this game on the ground and through controlling the pace of play. Well, the matchup with the Chargers, that sets up for a strength on weakness matchup. We know that the Chargers are best attacked on the ground and over the short intermediate areas of the field. And so this game sets up. That's why earlier I alluded to the fact that the Bengals are likeliest to control the game flow and the game environment here because they are the ones with the strength on weakness matchup. And again, like I talked about, that does not mean that this game cannot turn into a shootout because we know that the Bengals are highly adaptable and willing to shoot out with the best of them. But we have to understand that coming into this game, the Bengals are likeliest to control the flow and the game environment because they are the ones with the strength on weakness matchup. They are the ones likeliest to be able to execute their game plan uh, for a larger portion of this game. So all of that comes together to say the field is likely to glob on this game being a high game total and a low spread. While that is a positive, we have to realize that the Bengals are likely to succeed in their quest to control this game on the ground and with a slow pace of play and cracking down defensively. So all of that to say, wide range of outcomes. There's potential to generate some leverage here from a DFS perspective. And there's also a wide range of outcomes when it comes to betting this uh, game total at 50 and a half points. I would recommend on, again, this is Wednesday morning. I would recommend taking a wait and see approach on betting this game from a betting perspective. See where the large money is coming in uh, over the course of the next three days. And if you want to take a stand once you see late line movement on Sunday, you can take a stand then. All right. Let's move our attention over to uh, the other game with a high game total and a low spread, and that is the Washington football team at the Las Vegas Raiders. That game total is set 49.5 points with a slow spread of 2.5 points. We talked to earlier the home field advantage, so if this game were played at a neutral site, it would likely be a pick -em. What do we have going for this game? We have a Washington football team who we know uh, is extremely pass funnel on defense. We know that they have largely been unable to generate the pressure on the, along the defensive line that they would like to, and that has largely been due to injuries along the defensive line. We know that the Las Vegas Raiders are basically incapable of running the football behind a bottom-ranked offensive line from run blocking metrics and we know that they have lost their primary deep threat we also know that darren waller's status is uh questionable for this weekend we know they picked up a knee injury in their week 12 game we know that the raiders are capable through the air we know that they have a viable fill-in at, at tight end through Foster Moreau. We know that Brian Edwards still and Zay Jones still have some of the deeper ADOTs in the league. We know that um, they have an extremely viable safety valve through the air and over the middle of the field through the slot wide receiver. So we know this offense still has the pieces to be a 
an efficient, well, not really an efficient, but a, a splash play offense and generate splash yards and points in a hurry. The Washington football team. We just saw on Monday night football that uh, Jarek McKinnon picked up a, an injury carted off the field. He's likely going to be out. We know that Antonio Gibson saw it. We saw Antonio Gibson return to a healthy status because he was finally being utilized through the pass game. He was finally being utilized uh, basically as the key cog of this offense. The Raiders. Well, also with Washington football team, we also saw a return um, to health. Oh, God, now I'm forget his name um, from hit their tight end. Jesus Christ. Hold on now. Yeah, that guy. Sorry. Drawing a blank here. Oh, yes. Logan Thomas. There it is. Sweet. I don't have my backup when I draw a blink, pull a high-low brain fart-ism. Uh, I usually have X or Pavel to back me up there uh, or Todd. Uh, but yeah. So they got Logan Thomas back. He uh, played. I want to look up his snap rates real quick uh, before I continue this discussion. Um, yeah, he played 79% of the snaps in his first game back. Uh, from an extended absence. He missed one, two, three, four, five. He missed six games uh, with the seventh game. He played only 7% of the offensive snaps. So we know a key cog of this offense has returned. We saw the Washington football team play more 12 personnel than we've seen last week with Logan Thomas playing 79% of the offensive snaps, John Bates playing 57% of the offensive snaps. So we know that is a little bit due to offensive personnel available to them uh, with Curtis Samuel also returning last week, but in a much uh, lower snap rate role. He only played 24% of the offensive snaps. So this is an offense that primarily tried to up their 12 personnel rates uh, with Terry McLaurin playing 90% of the offensive snaps, DeAndre Carter playing 73% of the offensive snaps, and then Adam Humphreys, who's their slot man, all the way down at 38% of their offensive snaps. They mixed in Cam Sims and Curtis Samuel, 14% and 24% snap rates as well. And they've largely gone away from rookie Deami Brown. Over the last three weeks, coming out of their bye, he's played only 11%, 13%, and 8% of the offensive snaps. So why did I dig into that from the Washington football team? Well, we expect this offense <clears throat> to largely be a highly concentrated offense. They're going to be without J.D. McKissick. So Antonio Gibson, we can expect to take on a large share of the backfield snaps. We can expect Jarrett Patterson to be filling in primarily a rushing only role. We can expect Terry McLaurin and <clears throat> Logan Thomas to be the primary pass catchers for this offense. And so when we look at like what Washington wants to do on offense paired with what the Raiders kind of look to take away, well, we know this high zone, uh, this high zone rate defense from the Raiders looks to take away perimeter and deep passing and funnel stuff basically from a back forward approach 
and an outside-in approach on defense. So what are they doing? They're funneling work to the running backs. They're funneling work to the tight ends. Well, when we have only a very concentrated offense expected from Washington this week through Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, and Logan Thomas, two of those three represent, (coughs) excuse me, two of those three represent a strength on weakness matchup. So we can expect Washington to largely move the ball uh, as they would like to. (coughs) All right. So all of that exploration was to say that Washington is likely to see success moving the football in the way that they would like to approach this game. We're likely to see a hefty rush rate and hefty pass game usage for Antonio Gibson out of necessity. We're likely to see increased snap rates and involvement on this offense from Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas returned and immediately became a key component of this offense. So that is good news to us. And then Terry McLaurin, we know and we saw on Monday night that Washington is getting a little bit more unique and uh, trying different things to get the ball into Terry McLaurin's hands. They're upping his snap, his slot snap rates as the season has progressed, and they're trying to create these mismatches for their alpha wide receiver. So why is all that important to us? All of that important to us is important to us because Washington football team should have success in how they want to run their offense. The Vegas, the Raiders should have success in how they want to run their offense. So when we talk about these game totals in the magic range of 47 to 49 and a half points that you typically come with a wide range of outcomes, I like this game to have a higher than 50% chance to hit the over. And this is going to be the game uh, where I want to highlight the most this week from a betting extremes perspective. It is also a game where I think the ownership is not going to match where uh, that increased chance of going over its game total. So from a DFS perspective, this is one that I have circled early in the week uh, as one that I want to target here. So all that to say, you're, you know, we don't like to do like locks of the week or picks uh, from a you know, betting perspective because we are all about hunting expected value. I think the expected value on this game is the greatest uh, to the over than any or on the slate or greater than any other game on the slate or on the week. So I like the expected value generated from the over of 49.5 of the Washington football team and Las Vegas Raiders. All right. That is a general overview of the slate. Again, I wanted to do a little bit of additional teaching um, and leave the picks uh, to a minimum. Um, and kind of highlight how I'm approaching this week from a betting perspective and from a little bit of DFS stuff thrown in. With that said, expect Pavel to join us again next week. We should be joining the Pav man back uh, on the podcast. And until then, I will see you guys on Saturday for the X-Pod, and we will see you guys next week.